I'm going to say is that while you're out there working, you, you've got to keep your head on a swivel. That if, if you focus your attention on one spot, then there's so many dangers out there that you're going to miss something. And that's why it's so important for the camaraderie and the brotherhood while you're out there that not only are you watching what you're doing, but you're watching what they're doing, and then they're watching out for you. So you're always watching out for each other. to hear stories from linemen, aspiring linemen, and others who work in the industry. Welcome to the Lineman Country Podcast. Um, we are your hosts today. I am Jacqueline. And I'm Danielle. And we are here with the awesome, fabulous Adam Dye. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to tell us, you know, who you are, where you're from, how long you've been in the industry? just basic knowledge so people can get an idea. So I'm Adam Dye. I'm 44 years old. I'm from Chickamauga. So just maybe 30 miles across the mountain. So not too far away. Awesome. And what do you do here at SLTC? I am the training supervisor for the CLP, the Communications Line Worker Program. Nice. Awesome. Well, how did you get in the industry, in the communications industry? Okay, so... uh, it's kind of a long story. We'll try to make it quick, but uh, <laughs> I want to so, hear it all. <laughs> all right. So my entire life, me growing up, my dad worked for the power company. He worked for North Georgia Electric Co-op, and uh, I can remember as a small kid, uh, he would go on twenty-four hour call every five weeks. So he he didn't want to leave his truck there at the office all week long. So we would carry him to work. My mom would carry him to work, me and my brother. I've got an older brother. We would uh, jump in the car. We would carry him to work. Then mom would carry us to school. So I guess it all starts back then, as I can remember, when my dad would go on 24-hour call, he would be on on call for a week from Friday to Friday. So the Friday morning, we would carry him to work. Then mom would carry us to school. Uh, what is memorable about that is we would go by the McDonald's. So we'd get McDonald's nice. breakfast. That's gotta be like the best classic yeah it sure beat the cafeteria breakfast (laughs) Uh, and then the following friday mom would pick us up from school and we would go to the warehouse so if you can imagine on fridays then when the guys come in from work they restock the truck refuel the truck and then it's just kind of a, a chance to make sure that if anything happens over the weekend that all the trucks are ready to go so we would get there by 3.30 or so. Yeah. The guys didn't get off work till 5. So my mom and my brother would sit in the car and listen to the radio. I remember <laughs> that. And not me. I would get out and go to the warehouse and hang out with all the guys. And uh, I, I guess they kind of made me feel like that I was a part of it. And cool. uh, certain individuals, you know, really kind of took me under their wing. Uh, I remember one of the guys my dad worked with, Jack Stoker, uh we would trade pocket knives we would go to his locker and he would give me candy money they had vending machines 
And so you would see the camaraderie with the guys of, you know, on Friday, everybody getting ready to unwind for the weekend. And I would be a part of it for just a small period of time. So fast forward, you know, I, I go through high school and my older brother goes to college. So my parents wanted me to go to college and I went to uh, Dalton State. And it just wasn't a fit for me. I, I had had part-time jobs working at the hardware store, doing different things, and I really enjoyed having money in my pocket. And when I got out of high school, I kind of felt like that this is my opportunity to go to work and make more money, not spend an additional two to four years in college. So luckily, I uh, met my wife. We started dating, and we decided at that time that we were going to uh, put college to side and get adult jobs <laughs> and uh, do this thing we call marriage. So I proposed. She said yes. And uh, I went to my dad and I said, look, you know, we're, we're going to quit school. We're going to get married. And I really like to try this line work. You know, I, I've, I've saw you do it my entire life. And that's something that I think that really interests me because you work with a small group of guys, you work outside, and every day you come home with, with stories. So I think that interests me. So he started explaining the difference between electrical line work, communications line work. And, uh, with, and he did electrical? He did electrical, yep. Uh, so he started explaining all that to me. And uh, just by chance, the first opportunity that came along for me to go to work was with the local telephone company at Chickamauga Telephone. So uh, what was cool about that was I went for an interview. And when I went for the interview, the uh, general manager set me down, uh, asked me the number one question, can you climb? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I can climb. I've watched my dad climb my whole life. And he was like, I know your dad can climb. I'm asking if you can climb. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can climb. We're so, about to find out. Yeah, he carried me to the warehouse. I, I, like the interview was like 30 minutes, best that I can remember. Very, very short. He carried me to the warehouse, gave me a used bag of tools, carried me out to the job site where the guys were out there working, introduced me to everybody and said, well, we're going to see. Today's the day. <laughs> so I showed up for an interview, and he carried me out to the job site and left me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I'd that be was so work. stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as best I can remember. That's been quite a while ago. That's been 24 <laughs> years ago. But, yeah, it was, uh, we're going to make you or break you. Let's see what this is all about. So you just kind of had to, like, figure it out along the way? Yeah, I did. Uh, it was a, a four-man crew. Um, and so, again, it was all on the job training that this is what we're going to do today. And with it being a, a small crew like that, well, there was only one line crew, so there were four of us that were on the line crew. We did a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. We would do aerial construction, you know, one minute. The next minute we may be doing underground. Uh, it was just a little bit of everything. Yeah. So we may go out to a job, and that was the proving grounds. Can you climb? Mm -hmm. But we may only do that for a couple hours today, and then the rest of the day we may be doing underground or something else. Yeah. So it wasn't like here at the school where we're teaching them to climb that you're going to do it for eight hours. There were days that we did, mm -hmm. but starting out, it was just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like that kind of helped me get my feet wet, but then I would go home on the weekends and practice uh, and, <laughs> and then hopefully keep my job. And it, it worked. Nice. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people think that like communications line where there isn't a lot of climbing, but you guys consistently climb. Oh, yeah, very much so. Uh, again, you know, when I look in the rearview mirror, uh, it's, it's been quite a while ago, over 20 years ago when I got started. 
but when I got started, w- the line crew didn't even have a bucket truck. We were mm. in a pickup truck. And so everything we had to climb, and if you couldn't climb it, then we, we carried a ladder. Yeah. So that were your two options. And even today, I, I realize that, you know, bucket trucks are more readily available, um, but there's still places that you need to go that getting a truck there is is not going to be necessarily impossible. But if, if you're going to damage somebody's property just to get a truck back there, mm-hmm. then that's not feasible. You mm-hmm. you better be willing to put your tools on and go climb. Yeah. So, again, in the more rural areas, you know, you go to the mountainsides and stuff, you're not getting a truck to it. You're yeah. going to have to go and climb. So climbing is still an essential part uh, for the electrical and the communications. And I, I still hear from my students today that – you know, have gone to work and say, well, you know, I kind of expected that the majority of my career would be in a bucket truck, but where we're at, we still climb. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and even in case of emergency, like, you have to know how to climb. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you know, if if it's if for nothing other than climbing up there to help somebody out, mm-hmm. when, when you're up in a bucket, it never, it never fails. There's no perfect place to set the bucket up Yeah, that you can work three sides of the pole, but you can never get to the backside. And if you've got somebody that's willing to put their tools on and come up and either watch or help, mm-hmm. they can always get to a spot that you can't get to. So it is, like I said, it is very essential that you understand and learn how to climb. Yeah. You said you were in the industry for how long? Over 20 years? Yeah, 24 years. I started yeah, in 1999. What was your favorite part? My favorite part? I, I did a little bit of everything. I, I didn't just do the line work part, but uh, across all the little things that I did, uh, even on the line crew too, it was that you were making a lasting impact. You were you were helping the customer, you were providing a service, but it was something that, you know, you'll hear a lineman talk about this all the time, is get in the car and drive down the road and you start pointing at stuff. I built that. I did this. <laughs> we, we did this. I'll, I'll tell you a story about what happened at this point. <laughs> but when you get done, you know, that's, it's going to be there for years. You can drive yeah. back by and point at it. And I did that. Hey, I remember I met that customer. I helped them in this way. We did this. They cooked us lunch. Oh, you know, yeah, it, that's super cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, what would you think is like the most unique thing about communications line work? I would say that the career opportunities are so diverse. Like for me, I started out on the line crew. And right after I started out on line crew, uh, I went and became a, a cable splicer. So at this time, this was we, we had a fiber network, but it wasn't fiber to the home. So for the telephone company, it was all twisted pair of copper for your dial tone. So uh, I was splicing in all the new cable that we put into subdivisions. I was responsible for the maintenance and the rehab and keeping up the copper plant. Um, so I did that for a while. Uh, DSL came in. And we started offering uh, digital subscriber lines for internet service. At, before that, I mean, uh, dial-up internet was was really your only option. Uh, so I did installation, repair, maintenance. Uh, again, I, I did a little bit of everything. And when you look at the the career today, it it's it's doubling, it's tripling. There's yeah. more yeah. opportunities. You can be a project manager. You there's just so many different yeah. opportunities that if if you come through the school and, and you graduate then there you don't 
necessarily have to be a lineman. That's what we're training you to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's so many opportunities. You could do aerial work. You could do underground work. You could do the installation, the maintenance, the repair. Um, uh, I worked in the central office for a little while as as a programmer, which is way beyond. Yeah, yeah, it's way beyond my scope. But, uh, you know, again, on the job training, I I went and spent some time at uh, NC State's campus and we did some training in Raleigh. I went to Seattle and we did some training. Uh, Again, just surrounding yourself with people that uh, were willing to take the time to teach you and then you know, being able to, to learn a new role and, and fill that gap. So I, I've been fortunate that I've been able to, to work in a lot of the different aspects on the communications line worker side. Can and we, I've, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. Uh, you're fine. I, was just, no. I always think about, I'm like, can we talk about this really tall cell towers that people climb? Those terrify, terrify me. <laughs> so I was like, when you're talking, I'm just thinking about that. And I know somebody who she works for one of those agencies that tries to like hire people for companies. And she's, always looking for cell tower climbers that's terrifying to me that like but i feel like that's what people like i feel like we've heard people say that they want to climb the really tall cell tower stuff (laughs) yeah i've had students come through and that was their number one goal like teach me to climb a wood pole but yet i'm transitioning into you know steel towers or or the structures and that was their ultimate goal was to to get a job doing that and in my opinion that takes a a a very dedicated individual that that is exactly what they want to do, that they have <laughs> yeah. their hopes and, and dreams set to do that. Did yeah. you ever climb one? Uh, not legally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll I move just, on then. Yeah, I'm like, I just feel like I've seen videos, and I'm like, they're like heads are in the clouds. I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah, you will well, not yeah. catch me doing we anything had like that. A, an alumni from CLP um, sent us a picture on Facebook of him like on top of a cell tower that was on top of a mountain. And it's just super cool to see that. Oh yeah, we we uh, we've had several different recruiters. We had one recruiter that used to come class after class, and that was all that they were hiring for was to to do the tower work. And therefore, while we had a lot of students, a, mm-hmm. a good percentage of students going to work climbing the towers, and several of them are still doing that today. And and you know, some of them I still hear from, and <laughs> and yeah, I see the pictures. And that that was something I always thought would be super cool, but. Uh, man, I don't know. That's a yeah. little higher than what I want to go. Those are the thrill seekers. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any funny stories on, from on the job? I feel like in line work, <laughs> everyone I've ever talked to, they always have some crazy story. Yeah, I've got a lot of those, but uh, I don't know that I could divulge <laughs> into most of them. <laughs> That's always the response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there was a lot of adventures, a lot of comedy. Um you know, it's just, again, you're with a small group of individuals. You're, you're with them for, you know, countless hours, and you, you become very close-knit like a family. Mm-hmm. So you're always playing pranks on each other. It, <laughs> it got to the point to where you would have to do a walk-around inspection on your vehicle before you <laughs> left the parking lot, or there would be, oh, you know, no. stickers and pictures on the back of your car. But, uh, yeah, something that I could tell on here, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> We may need to come back to that one. <laughs> okay. Um, well, what would you say is the most important lesson that you learned working in line work? Something that you would want to pass along? I'm going to say is that while you're out there working, you, you've got to keep your head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. That if if you focus your attention on one spot, then there's so many dangers out there that you're going to miss something. And that's why it's so important 
for the camaraderie and the brotherhood while you're out there that not only are you watching what you're doing, but you're watching what they're doing and then they're watching out for you. So you're, you're always watching out for each other that if, if you focus your attention on one spot and you're not paying attention all around you, you've got to worry about traffic. Uh, you've got to worry about, you know, you got power above you, so you can't climb up too high. You can't boom up too high. You can't put too much tension on uh, your support strand or you'd be sagging the power down to it. There's there's just so many hazards, but yet there's, you know, there's so many, there's there's safe ways to work around it. And that's what our focus is here is mm -hmm. the safety aspect. Uh, but again, you have to keep your head on a swivel. Yeah. How about in life? I feel like we hear we always talk about how we are ultimately training people to be good linemen, but we also want to instill in them to be good people. Like, do you have any like life advice or a challenge that you want to pass along? Or what's the best advice you've ever received? Yeah, and. You know, I, I've received countless advice, mm -hmm. you know, and we, we all make our mistakes and then we look back on it and say, well, I, I should have listened to that. But I, I guess for me is that, you know, when when I'm dead and gone, what will I be remembered for? Mm -hmm. Will will it be, you know, for the good things, for the bad things, for, you know, my sense of humor? Like, what, <laughs> what will I be remembered for? So when I have students come through, you know, we're, we're super hard on them. We're tough on them. We want them to earn every step of the way. But yet, when when they graduate after eight weeks, I, I want them to remember me that, that he truly cared about us and he wanted the best for us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And I, I definitely hear that about you. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, I, I'm trying. <laughs> it's, it's important to remember and to always apply to everything that yeah. you do in life. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm probably going to be one of the the hardest people that they ever have to please. <laughs> I, I set high expectations, uh, but I, I want to give them feedback, whether it's positive feedback, negative. Uh, you know, I'm not just going to tear them down and not try to build them back up. I, I want them to, uh, you know, try to exceed the expectations. Uh, when when you think about you know, let's let's say we got ten to twenty guys in the class, and and the number one company is offering one position. Well, you know, what what skills do you possess that that company would want to hire you over the other nineteen mm -hmm. applicants? Uh, and again, that's going to go into your drive, your work ethic, your attitude. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's yeah. that's things that side of skills matter too. <laughs> yeah, that's the things I w I want to impress upon them as well. This podcast is brought to you by Elevated Gear. Elevated Gear is the one-stop shop for all things Lyman Country and Southeast Lyman Training Center. From high-quality shirts and hats to name brand sunglasses, tools, and more. Elevated Gear has everything you need. Stop by our store in Trenton, Georgia, or shop online at elevatedgear.com. Um, so, how did you end up here at SLTC? Like, what, what got you in this position right here? Okay, so I worked at Chickamauga Telephone for about five years, and then uh, I took a job over here in Trenton for Trenton Telephone and worked over here for about 13 years. 
And uh, while I was still working over here in Trenton, my dad retired from the power company. So he had put in, I think it was 40 years at the power company. Wow. Long time. Yeah. So started when he was 18, retired at 58. And uh, it was, for him, it was that I've retired, but I'm not done. I I want to do something else. Like, what more can I do? And so dad come to work here. Uh, He came to work here as an electrical instructor. And, uh, you know, again, that's one of the guys I talk to every day. Mm -hmm. So what did you do today? What did you do yesterday? You know, what what were the good things? What were the bad things? And all that kind of stuff. And I could just see a difference in my dad from leaving the power company to coming to work here that, you know, had a smile on his face. He was happy more. And, you know, he was telling me about that we really have an opportunity to reach the next generation. We really have an opportunity to make a difference in in uh, the lives of these young individuals that come through. And uh, they had just started the CLP. And so my dad got to talking, you know, to the, the supervisor that was running the program at that time. And called me up and said you you really need to apply for this and so again with with talking with my dad and seeing the difference that it had made with him after retirement coming to work here uh, it was an opportunity again for me to go to work with my dad we had done line work in different avenues but had never had the opportunity to really work together mm-hmm. and so that was you know checking off a box that I think that we had both always really wanted to do but yet our our separate career paths kind of steered away from that but then sltc brought us back together so that we had the opportunity to work together i love that that. yeah yeah that's really cool and i feel like the instructors you know they they play a really important role for sure like you said being able to reach more people um to want to come in and be the next generation of linemen in this country because it's very important we need our power we need our um our communication so we can contact people it's a it's a really cool job honestly yeah there there are some aspects (laughs) about training that i (laughs) i didn't quite grasp whenever i come to work here like my dad would would kid and say that he's not dr phil (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, well, well, what does that mean? He was like, well, I don't have the answer to everybody's problems. Uh, and, and what he means by that is a lot of the individuals that we have, the students that come through, this is their first time away from home. Yeah. They've got questions like, where's the laundry mat? How do I wash this? Uh, does, you, you know, it, it's, it's things that they've never had to do on their own. Uh, they've got a, a girlfriend at home that wants them to come back every weekend or when is this over or, you know, my car won't crank. Can you tell me how to fix my car? It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. So you, you can't be surprised at the questions that you get asked <laughs> when, when the students come in. I'm sure they're quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, we, we are filling that role while they're away from home. So it, it's one of the things that I've come to expect now is are, are the what we may look at as being silly questions. Yeah. But yet, you know, that we're the, we're their first line of defense. Like if if they're seeing me five days a week and they only talk to their parents, you know, on the weekends or in the evenings, mm-hmm. then, you know, it, it makes sense. Would you say that's your favorite part of being an instructor? Yeah, uh, our program is two months long. It's eight weeks versus the electrical. So we get new faces rapidly. Mm -hmm. But can I be hard on them? Can I 
can I draw the line that these are the expectations that we're going to show you how to do everything. We're going to teach you how to do everything. And, you know, we're going to put our tools on and we're going to climb up there with you yeah. because it's so fast paced. But, uh, yeah, it's the relationships. I, I still have, you know, students from like, for example, I think we just graduated class 40 mm-hmm. and I started the very first day of class five. So 36 classes because four classes were here before I got started. So if you look all the way back to class five, there's probably an individual from about every class that that I hear from, not necessarily on a regular basis. There are those individuals. Uh, But again, it kind of makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You need to have a CLP reunion. (laughs) (laughs) I have had students hit me up for that, and I think it'd be a great idea. That'd be so fun. Yeah. We'll start planning. <laughs> Let's we'll, do it. We'll get, we'll get Chandler on it. <laughs> I like that. So being hands-on with the students, you see them through all of their many struggles, and you see them through all of the things they're learning. Um, what would you say is the best advice you could give someone starting out in CLP? Be prepared. And what I mean by that is not necessarily go to the gym and start working out it's be mentally prepared um like i i want your focus and i want your attention for the entire time that you're here if if i gather up a group of students and say all right everybody come over here i want to show you something then that's important i i I want you to come over and pay attention um I, i tell guys a lot of times hey where's your notebook at they're like, well, what are you talking about? We're in the field. And I was like, well, I may give you 10 different directions, and if you can't remember two, then you need to be taking notes. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and so, again, it, it's a very short amount of time. We're talking about two months. 12 months is a year. So you're here for two months. For two months, I want your full attention. I want your focus. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard mentally and physically. It's going to be hard mentally because you're going to be away from your family. Everything that you know and what you're comfortable with, we're going to put you outside of your comfort zone. We're going to put you in the pole circle, and we're going to climb you up and down the pole and around the pole over and over and over (laughs) until you're physically sore and tired. You're going to have muscles sore and aching, but it's for a very short period of time. Just focus and get through it. Do what we're asking you to do, and it it on. The mental side, like you're going to be doing homework, you're going to be studying for tests, you're going to be doing, you know, online portion. So you, you got to, you got to prioritize your time. When when you get home in the evenings, you got to uh, make sure you get your assignments done, make sure that you're caught up uh, and be ready for the next day and be ready for the next day. Maybe hydration. So when you get home, you need to be drinking water. You need yeah, to be taking electrolytes. That's so that, a big one. <laughs> yeah, so that the, tomorrow when you show up, then you're not, you know, going to fall out. So. Yeah, that's a big one. We always see that, too, that they're like, oh, I'll just drink water when I get there. <laughs> like, if you prepare yourself, it'll yeah. do you so many favors. Yeah. yeah, it's small sips over long periods of time. Like, drinking a bottle of water is not going to do anything but get you to the bathroom. <laughs> so small sips, long periods of time conserve and and stay hydrated what do you think the students like collectively struggle with most i I guess it goes back to focus focusing yeah like whether we're in the pole circle like you know and and what i mean is that can kind of go twofold uh focus on the directions focus on what we're telling you 
you know, if you look at, at the military when they're going through training, then they're not focused on what we're doing tomorrow. They're focused on what we're doing right now. That if I can make it for five minutes, I can make it for another five minutes. If I can make it to lunch, then I get a break. If I can make it to quitting time, you know, at five o'clock, and then we're going to come back tomorrow, we're going to do it again. So focus on what we're doing right now. Don't look over at the other groups and say, well, they're at the top. That looks scary. It, we, well, they're climbing the tower. When do we do that? Focus and pay attention on what we're doing right now and do your absolute best to dial that in. If if you master what we're doing right now, you're you're already ready to move on to the next step. But if your mind is wandering and you're not volunteering, you're kind of hiding in the shadows, then it's going to take us that much longer to get you where you need to be so that we're confident in the next step you're ready to move on. Yeah, very much like be in the moment type of mentality. Yeah, I agree. So I was like, don't worry about what happened yesterday. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Be here in the present and we'll get there. Yeah, and, and again, uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, it, it goes with your feelings too. Like if, if I hurt your feelings yesterday, <laughs> today's a new day. Like, yeah. you know, let, let's move away from that. If, if an apology is needed, then I'll hug <laughs> you and I'll give you an apology. But also but, get over it. <laughs> yeah. But if it's not warranted, then, you know, we, we got to move on from that and we got to focus on what we're doing today. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, for in closing, for someone looking for a career, what would you tell them about the communications industry to convince them of it? The federal government, state governments are just pouring money into the communication side. Um, you know, when we had COVID come through, we sent everybody home and we had kids trying to do online learning. Then that was a wake up call for us that we didn't have the uh, broadband in infrastructure for people to be able to do that. That's right. Uh, we had companies going out and people approaching me, hey, would you come back in and work, you know, as uh, kind of help us out with these different projects uh, to where they were doing Wi-Fi hotspots mm -hmm. uh, just at, at community centers and places that people that didn't have high-speed internet at home could go sit in parking lots, go to community centers, go to the ball fields down here at Four Fields, yeah. uh, different places, and, and have high-speed internet so that they are, their kids could do these assignments. Um, that was a wake-up call for us. And so what has led past that is that our cellular technology is not where it needs to be. We're moving to 5G. So we, we've got you know, cars that can drive themselves, yeah. but yet they don't know what the red lights are doing. They don't know <laughs> what traffic signals. So we've got companies now that are uh, coming and recruiting uh, that are building fiber to traffic signals. Uh, your wow. smart billboards on the interstate that tell you, hey, there's a wreck ahead and it's two miles ahead, slow down. Uh, there's just so much going on. The We're in the largest push that we ever have been for fiber to the home. Uh, the job opportunities and career opportunities that that has opened up, like for telephone companies, they've always used twisted pair of copper. You know, dial tone was their bread and butter. 
But who still has a home phone in their house? Uh, my Not my dad, <laughs> my dad and my stepmom, and it's just all it's yeah. just telemarketers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so not many people. Um, it's it would be like now it, trying to teach your kids how to use you know a landline phone, and, mm-hmm. and the phone's making a sound. What is this? Well, that's a dial tone. <laughs> yeah, you gotta wait for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what does a dial tone mean? Well, it's waiting on you to dial. <laughs> yeah. Show them a rotary phone, and they 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 couldn't oh, figure no. it out because there's no buttons. Uh, but their telephone companies are, of course, building fiber. Uh, your cable TV companies. Well, when you think about cable TV, then, again, that's something that seems to be going away. Everybody's going over the top. Everybody's got Roku, Netflix, you know, an app that you're going to stream. Uh, so what are they doing? Well, there's, there's technology coming along for coax companies that allow them to be able to push more uh, Internet speeds, faster speeds, faster broadband over coax. But, again, fiber is the solution. So you've got telephone companies building fiber, cable TV companies, and then you got startup companies. You've got companies that have never been in the utility side before, uh, like Google Fiber, for example, that are coming in, renting space on the pole, building their own fiber, uh, and offering uh, a service to customers. Power companies, same thing. Power companies, what, what have they always done? They've always sold power. Mm-hmm. Well, now they've got area on the pole that we consider to be the the power space that nobody can access well that's that's free space they already own the poles why not build fiber yeah so they started doing that whenever they were building smart meters uh that did away with the job for meter readers that was my uncle my dad's brother he was a meter reader so they they worked at the same company my dad was the lineman my uncle was a meter reader well smart meters you know that that did away with a job but yet it opened up other jobs so uh, they were building fiber in the power space, you know, for the antennas, for smart meters. And then we went to smart grids rather than having to, an employee to go out and do manual switching to open and close switches and, and change the direction of feeds for the power line side. Then now you've got somebody with a laptop doing it. And then what that has led to is now power companies are offering fiber to the home. That's another service. So you've got... Uh, like I said, telephone companies, cable TV companies, power companies, startup companies, and it's all geared towards fiber to the home. How much uh, bandwidth can can we offer you at an affordable price? And we all know that with competition, competition, you know, uh, drives your product to be better and better, and the price is cheaper. Mm-hmm. And we as consumers, of course, that's what we want. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Always have to have the best internet. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and uh, it it seems like that the people that seem to get the most upset whenever that we're experiencing experiencing problems are going to be the people, the gamers and such. Yeah, I was just about you to know. thank all the yeah. video gamers. Yeah, my little character got killed, and I never even it's, saw it happen. It's lagging. <laughs> it buffers for one second. I always I laugh at those videos like on TikTok and YouTube where video gamers they just get. They're like, the lag, the lag is so bad. (laughs) And see, something for these guys to try to think about is who do they contact whenever this happens? They contact their service provider. Mm -hmm. Well, what is the internet? The internet is a gigantic spider web of all of these, you know, different companies, service providers, everybody all interconnected. It'd be like us. Well, right now we got a server hooked up. We're fixing to upload this content. Well, what are we connected to? We're connected to fiber that's connected to somebody else's fiber. So we're just all connected to a spider web. And so 
is the problem here? Is it on our side? Is it on somebody else? So now you got to start doing trace routes. You got to figure out where the problem is. Is it on <laughs> us? And then when you try to explain that to a customer, then they're like, well, you know, that's not my problem. That's your problem. <laughs> I want you to fix it. Well, that's 8,000 miles away. You know, it's not even on our network. Yeah, they're like, I'm calling you because I'm paying you to fix my problem so I don't have lag. Yeah, <laughs> which means I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to be put on hold and I'm going to be transferred <laughs> to talk to somebody that says, oh, yeah, we're working on it. That's crazy. So just for the industry in general, there's just so many options and there's so much money being put in it. So there's so much money to be made in it. Oh, yeah, very much so. You, you've got... You take somebody that has worked in the industry for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and now he decides he's going to be a startup. So he goes out and buys a bucket truck and hires an employee. Well, the next thing you know, he's got 100 employees. Uh, he's got 1,000 employees. With contractors, it can be you know, several thousand employees to you are your only employee. You're working by yourself. And so what does that mean? It means that with all of this growth, you've got to have people – to uh, get the pole ready, we call that make ready, so that you can you know, have your attachment on the pole. Uh, you've got to have the construction crews go out and build it. You've got to have underground crews to go out, and now everything's directional boring so that we don't tear up you know, people's front yards and stuff. So we got to have underground crews. You've got to have splicers, uh, project managers, people that go out and take a look at the project and say, well, we can bid it for this. Well, if you win the bid, then now you've got to go out and make sure the crews are where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to be. And for the first time, it seems like that we have this gigantic push, too, on the safety side, which is a great thing for the communication side. It seems like that the safety side has always been geared towards the electrical side. Yeah. But now we're seeing a, a large push on the communication side, which is outstanding for the employees. When, when you look back at some of the things that we were expected to do just on a normal basis, now uh, I'm not going to say that it's highly frowned upon. <laughs> it's that you can't do it. You yeah. know, there there are safer ways. We're teaching the safer ways. And so now you've got safety reps. Uh, you got people working inside the office, out in the field. Again, uh, it's just to repeat the same thing, there, there are career opportunities that we didn't even think about needing an individual to fill that role 20 years ago. And now you don't just need one. You need 20 of them. You need 1,000 mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Uh -huh. We have so many recruiters coming in needing guys from CLP. Yeah. Some of the recruiters were things that I overlooked. Like mm -hmm. we have recruiters that come in uh, for pole inspection. You know, is the pole safe to climb? Is it is it rotten? Does it need to be changed out? And then you've got recruiters that come in for what I was talking about earlier, make ready. Is there even room on the pole for you to make your attachment? If there's not, then now the power company's got to go out and set a taller pole. And now everything has to be moved. So we call that a pole <laughs> transfer. You move it from the old pole to the new pole. Well, once that you know happens, it, is there room on the pole now? Well, if not, then you've got to... Uh, get the other either utilities to move up the pole, move down the pole, or you contract through them that you will do that work for them. Uh, so there's just so many different opportunities. And, and the recruiters, you know, when they come in and recruit, whether it's pole inspection for make ready, aerial uh, construction, underground construction, um, we have had the, the sale side, uh, you know, recruiting for that. We've had local companies 
we like Windstream come and recruit. They were looking for um, uh, installation, repair, mm-hmm. uh, EPB. They've come and recruited. So a lot of the local companies, too, for different areas, whether it's be, uh, let's say, let's hire a crew or we're going to uh, recruit individuals to come to work for us and their job is just to put up uh, service drops from the pole to the customer's house mm-hmm. well once you get through with that then now it's got to be spliced on the pole and it's got to be spliced at the customer's house so you're not necessarily the individual that is doing you know uh, uh, 896 count fiber uh, on the pole and splicing all of them you're just opening the case, finding the individual fiber to splice to that one customer and then splicing their service drop to their house. So that was things that back in the day when you had an installation and repair guy, he would do it all. But now there's so many different aspects to it. You know, you may have an individual that goes out and does a site survey. The next individual goes out and bears the drop or puts up the aerial drop. The next individual goes out and they pre-wire your house. The next individual goes out and he splices it. So there's there's so many installs that are backlogged. Like if you were to call one of your local uh, service providers, they may tell you that it's three months and even longer before they can even install your service. Wow. Well, now if it takes one individual eight hours to complete the install, then yeah. he did one install a day. Mm-hmm. So if we can break that up over several individuals, then now everybody has a little small piece in it, then now we can do an install in a couple of hours. That makes sense. Wow. Yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I hear like alumni, whenever I like talk to them and they come back and say hello as they do, they talk about how in fiber splicing, you can get paid not only your salary, but like by the measurement of how much I don't you did. I don't know what the correct word is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by, yeah. By foot. <laughs> uh, it's by the burn. So <laughs> per fiber. Okay. So let's say I open up a, a 144 count fiber. Well, the the funny thing about this is, is yes, it, those individuals are being paid per burn so when i burn one fiber together Mm -hmm. like you know then i get paid for that but the prep work is what takes the time and in my opinion the artistry it's where you open the cable up get it all clean get it prepped build your case and then now you start fanning everything out in my opinion splicing the fiber that's the easy part yeah. Uh, like you got a machine that does all the work. All <laughs> yeah. you got to do is prep it. There's a, yeah, there's a lot to, before it. <laughs> but the way that you lace the fiber in the tray, your neatness, your documentation uh, is, is a huge thing that you provide the documentation for the next individual that when he opens the case up, that he knows exactly what you did and what fibers are spliced to what fibers. Um, so, yeah, there there is a big push for that. Um uh, piecework is what they call that production that rather than I may pay you eight hours to go out there and do a two-hour job but you camp out on it but now if I pay you per splice per burn per foot uh, then now it gives you the motivation to go out there and give me your best mm-hmm. so that you can make the most amount of money yeah you yeah. know and you, there's a lot to be made <laughs> yeah you get more jobs done in a day you get paid more yeah makes sense yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's going big too on the uh, on the 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 fiber installation. Yeah. Whenever they're going out and lashing fiber, putting the fiber up, that uh, a lot of companies are paying the the piecework production. That 
we're going to pay you X amount per foot that you build. So again, it, it provides the, the employee the motivation to go out and give it your best. That yeah. rather than going out and camping on the job. And, and also, you got to look at it like this. Uh, if, if, if I was trying to convince you to come to work for me, and then you say, well, how much money are you willing to pay me? And I say, well, I'm <laughs> going to pay you $20 an hour. And you're like, well, I mean, somebody else has offered me $21 an hour. <laughs> but if I give you the incentive, I'm going to pay you X amount per foot, then now nobody put a ceiling on you. Yeah. Your work ethic and your drive is going to determine how much money you make at the end of the yeah, year. Awesome. I know individuals that go out and work three days a week and have a four-day weekend. And they do it. They are able to do that because of how much their work ethic, their drive. They that's go out daylight to dark. That's the dream, right there. And I also know <laughs> people that go and work six, seven months out of the year, and wow. then take a four-month vacation. Wow! Because they they say this year I'm going to make this much. When I reach this much, from that point to the end of the year is vacation. Wow! And that's, they'll that's go out amazing. west. They'll go see the sites. And we're talking about individuals in their 20s doing this. And, you know, <laughs> take a four-month vacation. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we had a recruiter come in not too long ago. And uh, it's this past class. And he was talking about the work that they've got going on out west in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. And uh, he brought in these travel brochures. And so he's standing <laughs> up there and he's talking, you know, to the students trying to entice them. And I'm back there flipping through his, his brochures and I'm daydreaming. It's like, man, I wish I was 20 again. You know, I could go to Yosemite. I could go to the Grand Canyon. I could see all this. And he was like, oh, and there's hunting. And I was like, oh, you got to stop talking about that. And then he was like, let me show you pictures on my phone. Wow. Yeah. You just got to splice fiber along the way. Yeah, splice fiber, build fiber, get the job done, and and <laughs> if if you're a productive employee, then they don't want to lose you to another company. Awesome. They're going to do what it takes to keep you. And like 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 I said, with some of these companies, that's we're going to take you hunting, we're going to take you fishing, we're going to take you rafting. Uh, if you get X amount done, then we're going to treat you. That's awesome. Living the dream. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the way to go, right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. wish I could rewind time a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I just sit at my desk on my computer all day. Yep. Same thing. <laughs> uh, but you you play a tremendous role here at SLTC. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. I feel like nobody really, like, understands how much goes into the communications industry. So it's, like, it's so cool to hear all of the parts and pieces and mm -hmm. how truly complex it is. It's, like, I've, I've never understood how much goes into it yeah it's like what we've talked about there's so many different little moving pieces uh you may look at yourself like like what you were saying i, I sat behind my desk well no you're a member of a team mm -hmm. like you you may do what you conceive to be this little small portion but everybody has their little small portion and what we do is we make up a team and it's the same way out in the field i i did my little small part but I was a part of a team, and as a team, we built big things. We yeah. accomplished, you know, huge goals and made a tremendous impact and, and difference. Uh, and, a, again, in, in line work, in the different opportunities that, that the students here uh, have before them, again, they're here for two months. Mm -hmm. Focus, focus. <laughs> you Give me five more minutes, yeah. and then after that, give me five more. Yeah. And, 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 and then you have the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. and and. One of the things that I want to uh, to tell the students is you may have this dream job that's five minutes from home. 
Like I had it. I, I had uh, an opportunity when I first started that I could ride a bicycle to work. I could look out the back door <laughs> and almost see the warehouse. Uh, for most of these individuals, that opportunity is not going to come along for your first job. You need to be willing to travel, relocate, uh, gain the experience that when you apply for that position, then now your company is going to look at your resume and say, this individual has all these skills, all these certifications, all this experience. I would be crazy not to hire them. So go out and gain that experience. Be willing to, to move to a place that makes you uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> you know, And what I mean by that is like, be willing to... You know, go 500 miles away, 1,000 miles away. Look, like the Montana job, the guy that was coming in talking, uh, I know that I would have been very apprehensive at that age to have yeah. been willing to move out from home, mm -hmm. take a job like that, and be that many miles from home. Yeah, it would but, be nerve-wracking. But looking mm -hmm. in the rearview mirror, like think about all the things yeah, that you would amazing. have done, that you would have seen, your experiences. Yeah, if you embrace it, then it's just amazing yeah it's and then you time to do it too at that age yeah and then you come back home with this resume that look what i've done that i spent this amount of time out i was working for this company i spent this much time these are all the skills that i have now and then your local company is fighting for you <laughs> yeah and and that's what you want that way yeah. you know they 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 come to you rather than you going knocking on doors your yeah. reputation will always precede you and that's one of the things that we instill upon the students too is that uh if we were to bring in four individuals, you know, and we start talking about different somebody from, let's say, the Chattanooga area, then between four individuals, we may not know you, but we've heard your reputation. Mm -hmm. So your reputation goes a long way. So, you know, uh, there's always something to do. Find something to do. Your work ethic will speak volumes, and it will build you a reputation that you want to have. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here and talking with us. Well, I appreciate it. Is there anything that you want to leave with the listeners? Anything you want to add before we sign off? Uh, uh, it's eight weeks. It's two, <laughs> it, it's two months. Like, Give us your best. I guarantee we're going to give you our best. We're going to teach you the safest ways of doing things. And uh, the rules of the game have changed so much that when you go to work for a company, their number one question is not going to be, can you climb anymore? Mm -hmm. It's what are your certifications? What can you offer us? Uh, and if you trust us, then I, I guarantee we're going to send you out with the certifications and the skills that the companies are looking for. They're, they're knocking on the door. They're just waiting on you to answer. So come out, take a tour, see what we do, and get signed <laughs> up. You'll be glad you did. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks, Adam. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. I've had fun. Thanks for listening to the Lyman Country Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support us, please make sure to subscribe, share on social media, and leave a rating or review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.